Good morning. Joining me now from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, our good friend, Mr. Albat. Hi, Al. It's a sure been a nice weather lately, hasn't it? It has been a uh, beautiful day. Boy, yesterday I was uh, up in the Twin Cities and went for a nice long hike, a number of hikes, because everywhere I went I had to park like two miles oh. away <laughs> from it. Cause, and I, I was walking along and, and talking to my wife, and when she wasn't listening, I was talking to myself, saying, can there be a nicer day? This is this is just incredible. I said, this is why we put up with the winters, so we get a day like that. It was it was so, so nice. Well, I want to so tell you how nice it was. I looked out my window this morning, and back in the backyard by the pond, there's still water in it. And I was so excited. There were four goldfinches, and there were probably four or five robins and a couple sparrows there all going down to the water. And then on the front side of the house, I saw coming to the the uh, little bird bath, uh, there were cardinals, and there were some little finches. And I was just really excited to see them all coming back. And interestingly enough, they're all attracted to the water features right now. Everything likes water. Everything needs water, pretty much. You know, there are some uh, some animals have the ability to go without water, and they can get it from well, their foods. But you know, for the most part, just pretty much everything likes and needs water, and p- birds particularly. So that that is really cool. I want to thank the Minnetonka Bird Club because a bunch of them asked for how they could listen to KMSU and. And I spoke to him last week in uh, a packed house. It was a nice, nice bunch of folks. I was pretty humbled. Did you tell them to check out the SoundCloud? Because, you know, we do store your your shows on the SoundCloud so people can listen to past ones. Yeah, and uh, one of them who, uh, well, they were all much smarter than I was, but one of them said, how about SoundCloud? And I said, yes. So Good. I didn't so much mention it, but one of the, the group did. So that was awfully nice of them. I want to talk about webcam, too. We've been talking about that Decorah, Iowa webcam uh, with the eagles, and I just find that so fascinating. So sometimes I'll have it on in the office when I'm up doing other things, and it'll just be on in the background, sort of like having the radio on low, but this is a picture of those eagles. And I've been noticing those three eaglets. There's two that are very aggressive. And when mama comes back with either I've seen her with a fish and parts of a rabbit and things, and she feeds them. The two are just aggressive and they get it right from her, you know, she feeds and puts it in their mouth. And then there's one sort of in the background that sort of flops around and he looks like he's sleeping all the time or she. And I just feel so sad. I think this one's probably going to die. Is that possible? It, it is possible. I hope they have enough food down there. And I see in it, it is a soap opera. It's addictive. Yes, you it's watch drama. it and you think, boy, it's... Uh, it, they uh, they have complicated lives. We think ours are complicated, but they are. And the two, particularly the one, will uh, peck at mom's bill every so often. With the and, is it the one with the black? There's one with blacker feathers on its neck that seems like he's the aggressor. Yep, and he's saying, "Man, I need more food here. What are you doing here? You got to yeah. go get something. I got to eat. I got to eat here." Um, sometimes it does happen. Um, there is, um, oh. You know, it's a form of siblicide, I suppose, Aww. but mom just comes in, and you know, the, the we heard the old thing about the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It's the open bill that gets the food. It just breaks my heart to see that, because that know. one just looks so hungry, and he just doesn't seem to have the energy to, to fight the other two. 
And it's that uh, law of the jungle that we've all heard so much about. But uh, it looks like they have a lot of food. And it's um, when I first started seeing some of these cams uh, some years ago, uh, I was amazed at how many coots and rabbits they brought in Mm -hmm. other than fish. But if they're by a place where the fishing is good, uh, the young ones have, uh, I think, a much better chance because that's a much more reliable food source typically for them. So we hope uh, all three of them make it. But it, uh, it's fun. She's fighting with a mouse in one. There's a mouse gets in the nest, and you think, well, this majestic eagle will dispatch that mouse. Well, she'd have to catch it, and it's down in there, and it peeks its head out, and she swats her wing at it. Was that what she was poking at? Because I was wondering why she was kind of looked like she was poking down in the nest, and it was just yep. entertaining. I thought, well, is she cleaning the nest or what? That uh, little mouse is just driving her crazy, <laughs> and she just uh, maybe uh, I she would love to just grab it and eat it in one bite, I'm sure, but uh, it's pretty tough getting through all those sticks to get it. And every so often, the little mouse will pop up, and those little beady eyes will look around, <laughs> and of course she goes uh, ballistic on it then, and she has some conspiracy theories involving mice, I guess. I did have a listener ask how to find that on, and I said basically go Google it and just type in Decora Eagle Cam, and then you can yep. click on it. And f- that's the easy way to find it. It is the easiest, and it it's just a really, really, really cool thing to watch. It's just uh, fun, and she has uh, ardent suitors that show up every so often and try oh, to I get haven't her seen, attention. I haven't seen those yet. Yep, and she will chase them away, so, you know, like she doesn't have enough problems. Yeah. Because uh, if folks have been listening or watching, they know that Dad disappeared, and we, nobody knows what happened to him. Deadbeat. No. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. You know, who knows? He, yeah, he could have got hurt or something. He, he could have got hurt or killed or who knows what happens to him. He, um, but, but I know people, uh, they post their comments on there all the time, and, they sure miss him and hope that uh, they they keep their fingers crossed, hoping he will return one day and say, boy, you know, I got lost, took a wrong turn, sorry, here's a, uh, here's a bison that I caught for you <laughs> that should help everybody to eat. That's why it took so long. Well, will the female look for another male at this time, or she'll, will she wait till her young one's out of the nest? Yep, she'll wait. Okay. Yeah. And then, she wants uh, a trustworthy guy. Yeah, she does, you know, and there certainly is what we would call a dating process where they kind of vet a prospective mate and see if that one is. They want a, one that's a good provider, and I'm, they want a handsome bird, of course, <laughs> and they just want, they want certain things. It's uh, kind and caring that will uh, be of uh, a great help when designing and building the nest, which in this case will probably just add on. But there are a number of things that they look for in an eagle um, mate, and they will uh, work on that. I, I do. I love libraries, and I, I should mention I'm a member of this organization, the Elberly Friends of the Library, and they're having their spring book sale. So if if uh, folks out there are cheap like me and love books like I do, uh, head to the city center garage on uh, May 17th, 18th, and 19th. And it's from 4 to 7 on the 17th. That's members only, but membership is a whopping $5 a year. On May 18th is from noon to 6, and then on Saturday the 19th from 9 to noon, they have that bag sale where, like, you know, a dollar, you get this big bag of stuff. 
I was awakened at daybreak, I think it was yesterday morning, by whistling rose-breasted grosbeaks. We sleep with uh, just the screens on. And drumming woodpeckers. And it was a more pleasant way to join the world than by hearing a strident alarm clock. But a skunk had met its demise on the road not far from my Ooh. front door. And that fetid smell assailed my olfactory senses. And I took a deep breath, and I think I chipped a tooth. It smelled so bad. <laughs> and my mind loves to wander, but it was it's prepared to wonder, too. And I saw flying dandelions, Karen, just as you did. I didn't see as many goldfinches in my yard this winter as I do most years, but I certainly welcome their brightened plumage now. I took some photos. I reminded myself that cameras are meant to take bad photos, too. And I took a long walk on the Blazing Star Trail in Albert Lee, and a prothonotary warbler posed patiently and perfectly for this flawed photographer. And for that and other things, I am most grateful. I, the prothonotary is one of the most beautiful birds on Earth, and I posted pictures on Twitter and uh, on a blog, my blog and things, if anybody wants to see them. But they, uh, they're they kind of famous because of the house un-American Activities Committee in 1948 and through 1950, Alger Hiss was, uh, he was charged with espionage and was being tried for treason. And he, of course, denied it. And uh, Joe McCarthy was on that committee, as was Richard Nixon, who came to prominence because of this trial. And there was a fellow named Whitaker Chambers, who uh, was a witness called in to say that, and Whitaker Chambers was a former member of the Communist Party, which was like the worst thing you could be in those years. And he came in and said, I know Elger Hiss. And Elger Hiss said, I don't know. I don't know that. What was his name? Whitaker Chambers? I don't know. I've never heard of him. And it turned out that they were both birders. So during the, um, his, uh, when Whitaker Chambers was on there, during his answering questions, he said, well, he knew Elger Hiss because they looked at birds and then Elger Hiss had mentioned seeing a prothonotary warbler along the Potomac River, which is quite a bird out there. And because of that, he was uh, the, his trial for treason was a hung jury, but they retried him for perjury, and he lied about not knowing Whitaker Chambers because they had talked about this prothonotary warbler, and he was found guilty of perjury and got four years in the prison. So the prothonotary warbler is not only beautiful, it's um, got some historical content. And I watched a fox squirrel eat the buds of a tree and what looked like a larva of some kind of insect it was eating. And a turkey vulture soared overhead in a shallow V, and of course it's V for vulture. I saw the first Baltimore Oriole in my yard on April 30th. House wrens and red admiral butterflies showed up on May 2nd. Rose-breasted grosbeaks a day later. A brown thrasher is gracing my yard, and he chairs a gardener support group. It's a mnemonic <laughs> for his melodious song in which he repeats himself, as men my age tend to do, is plant a seed, plant a seed, bury it, bury it, cover it up, cover it up, let it grow, let it grow, pull it up, pull it up, eat it, eat it. Uh, White-throated sparrows are brightening my yard. Uh, a lovely whistle that tells part of the tale of old Swin Peterson, Peterson, Peterson. And um, at a uh, thing I spoke at recently, I heard Bishop Stephen Delzer read one of my favorite poems by Mary Oliver, who is just a delightful poet. 
Uh, metal arc, when you sing, it's as if you lay your yellow breast upon mine and say, hello, hello, and are we not of one family in our delight of life? You sing, I listen. Both are necessary if the world is to continue going around night-heavy than light-laden, though not everyone knows this, or at least not yet, or perhaps has forgotten it in the torn fields in the terrible debris of progress. And not long after hearing the bishop speak uh, this fine bit of poetry, I heard a metal arc sing, and its song was like a banquet for my ears. Eileen Nelson Ness. Uh, Eileen lives uh, near Alberley, lives on a farm. She said, I thought you might like to see a picture of swans in my son Scott took, uh, that my son Scott took on Sunday. There were three pairs of swans in a field puddle east of the ethanol plant by Glenville. They were enjoying their little swimming pool. Haven't seen swans around here before, so thought it was wonderful. And they were, I thought it was wonderful too, Eileen, uh, trumpeter swans. Uh, Tim Poulos said, John Frentz and I saw a Kentucky warbler on the east side of Ida Lake, just north of Amboy. We also saw a late red-breasted nuthatch in a cemetery at Minnesota Lake. Molly Miller, the chickadees continued to work on their nest, and it looked like it was almost complete. But the next time I looked, hoping for a chickadee egg, the center material, the nest cup, had all been pushed to the edges of the nest, and it was opened down to the bare wooden bottom. Mm-hmm. Ah, the bluebirds had arrived, and oh. instead of throwing out all the chickadee nest materials like they usually do, she just remodeled. I've never before seen our bluebirds do that on another bird's nest. She has now filled that empty center of the chickadee nest with fine dried grasses and materials. In other words, they have now have a 100% normal grassy nest cup with some grasses also overlaid on the chickadees' lovely mosses and fur. I'm not sure where the chickadees are going to end up. In, in. Are they commonly one that takes over other birds' nests, or are there certain ones that are more likely to do that? Um, they will certainly do it, but we hear much more of uh, the ones that will take over a bluebird nest. Oh. Uh, so they, they suffer on the other hand. A good share of the birds will do that. They're more than happy to make use of particularly the materials. And this is also, you know, one robin will swipe from another robin, and one oriole will take material from another other oriole nest. So they're all looking to make their lives a little easier, and if that includes um, using purloined material, they will certainly do that. I get an online gardening newsletter, and they had a warning to folks about be careful when you prune or do anything with your shrubs because how tiny the hummingbird nests are. And they showed a picture, and I could not believe how small they were. So I'm just curious, where do the hummingbirds generally make their nests? Is there a certain kind of shrub or certain area so we can be wary of this? Because, of course, I don't want to ruin anybody's home. Yeah. I used to think there was, and I've seen them just about everywhere now, so I don't know if I have a real uh, one particular place. And they are so small. You know, they make them out of spider webs and all that sort of thing, lichen. And I have seen them in a tree when I'm going to do walks, nature walks, and I will tie a little rag around the branch so I can find it again. Mm -hmm. And then I'll come back and struggle to find it again because they are so tiny. Uh, They're just uh, amazing little creatures that, uh, well, they're awfully feisty. And that's part of the reason they do well, I think, in this uh, world where they are certainly undersized 
uh, compared to everything else. Well, are they but, generally doing it in evergreens, for example, or is, uh, doesn't it really matter? Or is it generally off the ground, or are we talking everywhere? Uh, yeah, it, it's off the ground. Oh, okay. And it's, um, I, I don't know if I see them in one particular tree, but their nests are, they're usually on a descending branches, and I would say usually on deciduous. I don't see them on okay. evergreens. So, you know, like oak or uh, hackberry, but uh, sometimes pine, so they'll certainly be in them, but they'll probably be 10 to 40 feet above the ground, so they can be up really high. But that said, they've also, I've seen them in um, chain link fences, wires, uh, extension cords that people wrap on the oh, side wow. of a house and and um, as it sounds, people are finding them in their hedges and things then, too. But uh, where I usually find them, and that's probably because I'm looking there more, are those descending branches of uh, deciduous trees coming down. Uh, Cindy Drill of North Mankato said, We heard a catbird the other night. did not show itself. Uh, they have nested in the neighbor's yard for a few years, so I assume it's part of that family. Saw a hummingbird at work zooming over the garden center flowers. Did not stay long because there was too much activity. Uh, still getting white-throated and white-crowned sparrows hanging out in the lilac hedge. Lovely song in the mornings and evenings when I'm home. Uh, she put out some nectars, and she said when she returned from grocery shopping, uh, she saw a male at the, her blooming magnolia, and he also stopped at the feeder, a male uh, ruby-throated hummingbird. She said, is that perfect timing or what? Also set up the Oriole feeders and filled all the other feeders, hoping for gross beaks and any other migrants. On Sunday, had two male Orioles on the feeders and in the magnolias. They've returned several times, but don't tolerate each other very well. Had a male hummingbird yesterday afternoon as well. A female showed up later in the afternoon. Uh, Chad Hines of Mankato said Tuesday, uh, last Tuesday, there were a lot of lots of movements. He had seen uh, Cliff Bank and Northern Roughwing Swallows, House and Marsh Wrens, Orange Crown, Nashville and Palm Warblers, Northern Water Thrush, Brown Thrashers, uh, Lark, uh, I guess, uh, Lark Sparrow, White-Crowned, Clay-Colored Lincolns and Field Sparrows, Indigo Bunting, Rose-Breasted Grosbeak, Baltimore Orioles, uh, White-Throated Sparrows were found in many places, a large flock of American Golden Plovers, at least 30, 60, over 60 Willets in a flooded field uh, north of the Cobb River, WPA. Also saw lesser yellow legs and Wilson's Phalaropes, also had a Dunlin, Longbill Dowitcher, Petrel Sandpiper, Lease Sandpiper, Lesser Yellow Legs, a Peregrine Falcon, and Greater Yellow Legs, Solitary Sandpiper, Spotted Sandpiper, and Wilson Snipe. So, yeah, there's a lot of birds out there now. I heard people saying that they've been, I haven't seen them yet, but there's some loons that must be migrating up north they've been seeing out on Lake Washington early in the morning. Nice. So is that nice. typical that they're more early birds, so to speak, because I've been out at the lake a lot gardening, but I haven't seen them myself, but some people have commented that they've seen them earlier in the morning. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, it's been a, a tough year for them because they had to wait for all the ice to go out on the lakes north of us so they can find it. So we um, people have maybe got a little longer look at them this ah. year than, than some years. And they're really neat, and occasionally they will sing 
here. I've heard them on St. Olaf Lake, not far from me here, but it's not that beautiful song that we hear up north. It's just like it's when the orchestra is kind of tuning up beforehand, just make sure everything is still working. Well, why is and that? Why wouldn't they do the same song here? They're they're just practicing, and there's oh. no reason to give the whole okay. um, <laughs> concert here because they're not going to nest here. So okay. they're just saying, oh, how does this sound? And this is how my dad used to sing. See if I can sing like that. So, but it's it's pretty neat to hear them. And years ago, I was leading a group of kids from New Richland, Heartland, Allendale, Geneva schools, and I said the chances of hearing a loon out there in the middle of that lake here at St. Olaf singing are pretty slim. And of course, it sang before I even got the word <laughs> "slim" out. So I have to be real careful what you say. Uh, Cheryl Holland of Blue Earth, uh, rose-breasted grosbeaks. Goldfinches, uh, yellow-headed blackbird, and uh, red-winged blackbirds at her feeders. Karen McGill of Elverly said she had a really late snowy hull this year. Michael Bonner of Cortland uh, sent a picture of a rufous-sided toey, and they've changed the name to Eastern Toey, which is it's just not nearly as cool as rufous-sided toey. That just described the bird so well, and it just sounded like an old uh, blues singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Nelson of Good Thunder said on Sunday morning saw our first male ruby-throated hummingbird and the first female Baltimore Oriole. Uh, Saturday afternoon we'd seen the first orchard Oriole male, first female rose-breasted grosbeak, and first female orchard Oriole. And I've not seen an orchard Oriole this year yet, John, so I hope to. They're, they, um, they're different color than our Baltimore Orioles. They're a chestnut color, kind of a rootbeerish color, and uh, just really lovely. Uh, Bob Eckblad, who lives in Byron, said he was over in Rochester at the East Landfill Reservoir, and there's a great-tailed grackle singing over there, and that bird uh, has been there more than this year, so it was pretty cool. Uh, Father Paul said there is a painted bunting being seen in Oatana. And a painted bunting is a lot of folks, even if they don't know the bird, you will see it on a lot of um, birdy things because it's a, a bird of many colors. Is that the bright blue one? Aren't they really blue? Or is that uh, the indigo bunting? Oh, that's the is, indigo. Okay. Yeah, this one is uh, a, a whole wide selection of colors. Oh. And it, it um, oh, I know in a lot of kids' coloring books, Mm-hmm. and things like that, they will put that in there because, oh, you can throw a whole slew of colors in there, and it helps use up those crayons. <laughs> and uh, we don't um, get them here. I have seen a couple in uh, Minnesota, but you don't typically see them here. And, I, have, you know, they have blue, they have red, they have green. Oh, uh, they have uh, like a red belly with a red rear end on the males. He has this brilliant blue head, and then the back is green. So if you can imagine that in your mind, they're just they're one of those birds that uh, whether a person's a birder or not, they just stop and go, wow, that's, uh, that's quite attractive, whatever that is over there. So they, uh, I love uh, painted buntings, and it's, uh, I'm glad Father Paul got to see it because he, he likes birds. Hey, if if is it the time of year we should be putting anything new or special out for feeding the birds? Because you know you talk about in the winter because there's a lack of food, but now there's obviously more things coming up. So are there things if we want to keep them coming to the yard? Should we change anything? Should we add anything? 
you know, the the grape jelly for the Orioles, it's not only for the Orioles, but the red-bellied woodpecker, uh, warbler will stop, um, uh, robins will eat it, downy woodpeckers. There's a lot of things that will eat that grape jelly, and uh, chipmunks love it too, but um, grape jelly is good, and why do we feed grape jelly? Will the Orioles eat any other jelly? Yeah, I think we <laughs> feed grape jelly because it's usually the cheapest. Yeah, probably. it's the cheapest. Yeah. So. Or, or if you have any in the fridge maybe that you don't care for that maybe you got, you could just try that. Yeah. See. I think if, we've got some pepper jelly that, I don't know, I don't really care I'm for. I'm sure they need it. Okay. Yep. They like jelly, and they also like orange slices. Ah. So I've got a feeder that has two little prongs on it. You can put the orange slices on, and at the bottom of the feeder, it's got a little circle that you can drop a small little can in there and put grape jelly in, so it covers both ends. Uh, some people even uh, put out marshmallows for a little while when the Orioles first come back, and then they will eat that also when they first get back. So that's one of the, the prime things. And w- the other thing is water is always a, a wonderful thing as you have done there is there anything you should avoid doing like should certain bird feeders be maybe farther apart from each other because i do notice sometimes there are certain birds that don't get along with each other like the those that eat sunflower seeds versus those that eat grape jelly or doesn't it matter if they're in the same area yeah yeah a lot of the males this time of year i've been watching young rosebreasts and grosbeaks and they're they're so pretty but the young young males will have little black spots kind of mm-hmm. on their side. Um, sometimes they're hard to see, but when they come up close, they have those little black dots. So they're young males, and they're this is their first year back here. So they are really feeling their oats. So wow. I think they're going to fight no matter what. Okay. They, they'll fly over the other side of the house just to find somebody to tussle with a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's okay having the feeders uh uh, a ways apart, but it's not bad having them close together either. Okay. I know hummingbirds, a lot of folks will put one on one side of the house and one on the other side so the hummingbirds don't fight. So with hummingbirds, it probably does make a difference because they, boy, they are battlers. They just go and go and go. So I I do want to thank everybody. I, I didn't get to quite everyone who has uh, has reported things, but I, I sure appreciate hearing from you all. It's uh, there's so many things to see this time of year, and I appreciate uh, you being my eyes and ears, everyone, as you look at all these things. And I hope you will all find time to uh, maybe stop at the cafe today where the food chain is missing a few links. A special is always a Heimlich maneuver. And gravy is considered a beverage and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and, and real cup holders. Where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet, well, hardly any of it. I have a pet peeve. Um, I'm not sure if I've ever had one before. I, I didn't think I wanted one. I, I still don't really want one. I didn't. I don't know if there's leash laws that apply, if I need a license for a pet peeve, or if annual shots are required. My pet peeve is people who throw cigarettes out of car windows. Oh my or, goodness, mine too. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe my pet peeve is the the cigarettes that are thrown out. I don't. I'm opposed to all littering, but cigarette filters last, folks. I've read that about 80% of cigarettes have filters. And filters are made of a cellulose acetate. It's a form of plastic that is slow to degrade. And depending on conditions, a typical cigarette butt can take from 18 months to 10 years to decompose. And 
even at that, they aren't fully biodegradable. Uh, now they think about it, I'm not opposed to all things being tossed from car windows. Uh, feel free to throw all the money you want out of a car window. <laughs> when you're buying it. <laughs> yeah, I was exiting the Kansas Turnpike recently when another driver offered a bill to the woman in the toll booth, and the wind was whipping at a high speed, and it snatched that bill out of the driver's hand, and the money zoomed past us all. And I figured that in a town a few miles away, some fellow would be coming out of the post office with a stack of bills. When he'd be slapped alongside the head by a $20 bill, he'd put it in his pocket, mumble something about life being good, and get on with his day. But according to the National Fire Protection Agency, smoking materials cause approximately 90,000 fires every year in the U.S., and I saw a 350,000-acre wildfire this year in Oklahoma. It might have been started by a discarded cigarette. It might not have been, but why take that chance? Remember, folks, Heartland is while we're driving past. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. I enjoyed your company, and thank you, Karen. As, as always, I look forward to Tuesdays on KMSU. Hey, thanks, Al. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next week. I look forward to it. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.